Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned in to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by the local journalism initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, here to keep you up to date on all things limestone local news. This is the proclamation. It was passed by council uh, in September. We asked them, we wrote it out for them, and uh, they were they uh, they proclaimed that October is plentiful. So that that made us feel good. We have a little bit of support behind us on that. That was Mary Jane Philp, member of 350 Kingston, on the proclamation that October 2023 is plentiful by Mayor Patterson on behalf of Kingston City Council. October is Plantiful is an initiative including various events surrounding sustainable eating and plant-based diets. Local environmental advocates with 350 Kingston motivated the title, presenting the idea before City Council last month. I sat down with Philip to chat about what they have planned for this month, and here's what she had to say. As you just showed us, the City of Kingston proclaimed this month October as Plantiful. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about the process leading up to presenting this initiative to Council and the conception of this idea. So I work with an organization called 350 Kingston, which you probably are are familiar with. I hope you are. <laughs> if you're not, I'll just I'll just clarify. 350 Kingston. 350 is a 350.org is a worldwide organization. 350 refers to the parts per million. Um, of carbon dioxide emissions in the atmosphere, um, uh, which is the safe level. Um, and when I was born about 70 years ago, uh, the amount was 310. Um, it's now 420 and rising. So we need to get our carbon emissions down and that is the focus of our organization. So it's named 350 for that reason, the safe level. So. Um, what we do is come up with ideas and we try to educate people about things they can do personally. Um, sure, some people can buy an electric car or stop driving or ride a bike, or maybe they can put a heat pump in their houses or you know any number of other things that we can do. But one of the easiest things we can do and one of the most impactful things we can do is add more plants to our diet and eat um, you know, less processed food and less animal-based food. We will lower our carbon emissions and that's what it's all about. We have to do that. Knowing all those things, we wrote out um, uh, the whereas the city of Kingston has declared a climate emergency and is actively supporting environmentally friendly initiatives. And um, because we knew that, and we knew that October is a month of bountiful harvest for Ontario and local Kingston farmers, and, you know, I could read this whole thing, but basically we uh, asked the city to declare that October is plentiful. And during that month, we would offer, uh, gather together events that are already happening that relate to this, but also create some of our own, which includes three webinars that we're doing. In terms of choosing the topic for this, was there like a few topics that were up for consideration? Or Well, I mean, at any one time, there's any number of things going on at mm -hmm. 350 Kingston. We have um, No Clear Cuts Kingston, which is uh, relates to you know uh, stopping the cutting down of, mm -hmm. of forests, urban forests. Uh, that's part of our organization. Um, uh, we are educating people on the climate corner every every week week downtown, and we participate in rallies, and you know we do any number of things. But this was a this was kind of an obvious because it is the harvest, and it's something that we all can do every day. We all do every day. We eat, so this is a thing that we can all make a difference. And coming up to Thanksgiving, 
I mean, I, you know, we're having a, a vegetarian um, tortier and somebody I think is bringing a nut loaf. You know, it's a different, different Thanksgiving for us this year. I'm not a vegetarian, but I'm working my way towards that. And so are a lot of other people. Awesome. Yeah. And just to give some folks an idea of what they can expect this month, I was wondering if you could share maybe some of the benefits of a plant-based diet, both for an individual and for their impact on the environment. It's infinitely variable. I mean, as many plants as there are, you can be, you know, you just develop a, a recipe, adapt a recipe to your own tastes and the tastes of your family. So uh, lots and lots of variety. It's fun to play with vegetables, raw and cooked and fruits and just figure out, you know, what what is it a good combination. It's economical. Um, generally speaking, especially at this time of year when you can, um, we, many people are growing their own things, of course, but uh, you can also go to markets and um, so it is, it is uh, easier on our budgets, which definitely is important these days. Um, it also makes you feel better in many ways. I'm noticing that myself. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a different way of eating and I think, it, I think the benefits would be very individual too. Um, um, and I, I think knowing from my grandchildren, <laughs> there it's a lot easier to convince them to eat uh, plants and well, vegetables and fruits and and uh, and pasta and that type of thing rather than um, you know other things that that we might want them to try, mm -hmm. um, you know, chicken or something. But anyway, uh, it's um, it's. Uh, also very good for the planet because, and for other animals, obviously, um, because the energy that it takes to um, produce processed food, um, and we know so much of our food is processed and even, even over-processed, um, and to produce uh, other forms of protein, um, it takes a lot of energy and it produces a lot of emissions as a result. So if we're going to get our carbon emissions down, uh, a plant-based diet or a more plant-based diet is something that we can all um, do to, to be part of that. Philip also discussed the resources available and upcoming events for this month. For example, on our website, we are posting recipes. I think there's five or six there now, but there'll be more. Um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, and people can even respond on the website if they want with a question or or they can even submit a recipe. But um, so there's lots of, of things there as well as the, the three webinars that we are are offering. Um, one will be a cook along with Knifey Spoonie. It's a local vegetarian, um, uh, what's the word? Um, um, food purveyor or food supplier. Um, um, we also are doing a, a webinar on the health benefits of a plant-based diet and on the carbon footprint of plant and animal-based diets. So people can sort of see the all that information. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So you guys have your webinars. What other events are sort of looped into this month? So there's another group in Kingston that's been going for a long, long time, and and uh, I went to one of their potlucks the other day, the last one that they held at Lake Ontario Park, and and they're, it's called the the Kingston Plant Based Group. And as I say, they've been operating for a long time, doing community potlucks, and so because it's uh, into the fall now, they are moving to the community house at 99 York Street, and so um, they had a potluck last 
Sunday. It's the first Sunday of every month and the third Wednesday. So on Wednesday, the 18th, it's, there is a, a potluck at, at the community house at 99 York Street. So a potluck being you, you know, you make a, a, a dish to share and you show up with your own plate and knife and spoon or whatever. Um, and it is amazing what people produce and they like to talk about what they've produced and share recipes. So that's pretty great. We also have two um, tables, at, at tables at two different markets. One will be um, on Saturday, this coming Saturday, actually, Thanksgiving Saturday, uh, October the 7th, I guess, at Market Square downtown. And also on the 15th uh, at Memorial Market. We'll have an information table. Um, people can take the pledge, which is, you know, pledge to add more plant-based food to their uh, diet, and they can be entered into a, a draw for that. And they'll learn about uh, other, you know, uh, tips. And there's lots of material they can pick up. Pick up the power of a plant-based diet, for example, which is produced by um, EarthSave, a local uh, environmental organization. And uh, just a lot of things to celebrate October is plentiful, which is what we're talking about. Yeah, that's so awesome. And is there a best place for folks to keep up with your events and sign up? Yes, definitely. They should go on 350kingston.org. That's our, our th that is our website and Plant Plantiful will be within that, on that website. It'll be on the front page of that. It is on the front page of that website, 350kingston.org. Once again, that was Mary Jane Philp with 350 Kingston. You can visit 350 Kingston's website for more details regarding October's plentiful, including events and resources. The City of Kingston aims to support harm reduction measures for Queen's Homecoming this year, in part by facilitating the extended operation of food trucks throughout the event. The motion presented, stemming from conversations between councillors and the Queen's Alma Mater Society, was to waive some of the time restrictions on refreshment vehicles for businesses participating in AMS events at locations approved by the City. This would mean extending the business hours for these food trucks to 2 a.m. This would take place throughout the University District Safety Initiative, that's October 14th to November 1st. This would also involve giving the city's director of licensing and enforcement the ability to revoke or modify the terms of these extra hours when necessary. The goal of this move is to reduce harm by ensuring participants in homecoming festivities have access to food and non-alcoholic beverages throughout the day. Counselors discussed the motion from various angles, considering how this decision could impact this year's homecoming. The intention behind this AMS collaboration for food trucks is harm reduction. Um, I'm just concerned that we are in someone else's kitchen here. Is this a Queen's issue? I, I do have some concerns about the overall motion. Um, one is that the 2 a.m., I am worried that the public is gonna hear we're condoning street parties until 2 a.m. Uh, and that will be the optics of this. My concern is that we are gonna be sponsoring this unauthorized street party with food trucks up until 2 a.m., which is gonna be a public thing, which with the recent last couple events that happened and with the attendance being down, attendance may go up because now they have some place to eat as well. I am very concerned about the optics of this. Because yes, we may not be sponsoring something, but we are allowing, we are permitting it. And so we as council need to decide what is it that we are going to permit? Because in the eyes of residents, what we permit is what we endorse. There was also an amendment added to this motion suggesting that these food trucks be restricted to Queen's campus. Um, I think it's 
pretty clear what this amendment is for. It's the idea that yes, Director Smith should have that ability to extend the length of time that food trucks are open, um, but personally I would feel a lot more comfortable if this were restricted to Queen's University campus. I know the idea is that we're trying to help disperse and spread out students. Uh, however, I'm not sure that having them in the community neighborhoods is going to achieve that. And I, I realize there's no way to know until we try, but I think that as a, a slower first step with the intention of helping Queens to, to deal with this issue, um, I, I would prefer this. It was assured that bylaw and Kingston police would be prepared to factor this development into plans for homecoming. So we will have a significant police presence as well as a bylaw presence. And if we do have the food trucks out there, they are going to be something that we are patrolling rather frequently. So I think that we could react very proactively before something got out of hand. Councillors also expressed the need for more communication between the city and Queen's AMS for future events. I think that AMS should be here tonight. To, to speak to us if this is something that would really be helpful for them. I would prefer trucks to be kept on campus for lighting, for safety. I just think it would be a better move. And further, if AMS did this last year and they wanted to take it further, they should have reached out sooner. Here we are with a council motion, no staff report, trying to make the best decision we can, and they had every opportunity to reach out sooner. Um, Councillor Glenn, you've been trying really hard to collaborate with them consistently. I've, I've seen you doing this, this work and staff as well. So I think that if we could send AMS a message respectfully, if you need something, let us know earlier, please. So I hope that that could be passed on. I am also disappointed the AMS is not here to speak because I was hoping they could maybe expand on what their plans were. With the amendment of restricting the location of these food trucks to Queen's campus, the motion passed with a vote of 11 to 2, adding to the list of measures being put into place for this year's homecoming. Enjoy homecoming, come here, be safe, uh, go to bed early, and drink lots of water. For the 17th year in a row, Kingston City Council has proclaimed October as Islamic History Month. Inaugurated in 2007, Islamic History Month is a nationwide celebration that seeks to share the history, heritage, and culture of Muslims with fellow Canadians. The theme for Islamic History Month 2023 is celebrating Muslim women in the arts and sciences. I sat down with Mona Rahman and Dr. Mohamed Bayoumi, both members of the Islamic History Month Committee in Kingston and national board members, to talk about this year's celebrations. So to start us off, would you both like to introduce Yourself? My name is Mohamed Bayoumi. Uh, I did teach at Queen's for over 25 years and at RMC as well. Uh, I was also uh, uh, volunteering with the uh, Islamic Society of Kingston, helped do a lot of things, including in, uh, introducing the concept of Islamic History Month. It was suggested that maybe we should have uh, a month where every year uh, we have a program that talks about uh, history of Muslims and how they contributed to different areas of arts and science and medicine and mathematics and so on. And uh, what, what I have done is that uh, uh, we, we approached the, the mayor and the mayor uh, uh, said that uh, you can come and present the case to the city council and then they will decide. So what they gave us five minutes, we talked to them about the, that concept and how we the, the objective 
objective is to inform uh, Muslims and non-Muslims about the background, and that helps uh, bridge, uh, uh, building a, a bridge between Muslims and non-Muslims. And they were very pleased with that, and uh, indeed it was accepted unanimously. And since then, uh, uh, the council uh, issues uh, uh, an, uh, an acknowledgement that October is Islamic History Month. And indeed, uh, two years ago or three years ago, they added the concept that maybe on the 1st of October, they will uh, light the city hall in green. And that also is a commemoration of uh, and, and acknowledgement that this is the, the beginning of the month that we accept as Islamic History Month. And that uh, summarizes where we are. Thank you so much for that background. And Mona, would you like to introduce yourself and also uh, give some of how you got involved with the Islamic History Month Committee? Um, so my name is Mona Rahman. I'm currently the Research Awards Officer in the Vice Principal Research uh, Portfolio. So I also have, um, I went to school to, at Leeds as well. So I did my uh, bachelor's and PhD in biochemistry. So that's my background spiel. Um, I became more involved with Islamic History Month in terms of the Kingston Committee when I was uh, the education coordinator of the Islamic Society of Kingston. And I have sort of continued on since my role there ended. And currently both myself and Dr. Bayumi are members of the National Board of Islamic History Month Canada. Um, so in that, you know, it's um, as a national board, we try to determine what the theme is, will be for the nation uh, every year. And so this year, the theme that has been chosen is celebrating Muslim women in the arts and sciences. And I think part of that is because we there's um, there's a lot of misconceptions about the role of women to begin with, but you know, especially in the contributions towards arts and sciences, and just even if you look at the current landscape in Canada or in North America, there are many Muslim women that are that are making significant contributions to both of these um, sectors. So it was an it's sort of like an opportunity to inform people um, and to also highlight the achievements of these individuals, both currently, but also in the past with respect to Muslim um, Islamic history in general around the world. Kingston was involved in the concept since the beginning. So it, it was um, the Canadian Islamic Council, um, of which Dr. Bayumi was a contributing member, um, came up with this concept. So we've actually been involved since the beginning. Um, so it's this is our 17th, I think it's our 17th Islamic History Month. Remain continued to go more in depth into the theme and share some of the events coming up this month. Well, I think we try to um, find a theme that will resonate um, with all communities across the, across the nation. And we have um, Muslim communities across Canada that vary with respect to their age. Uh, we have um, some communities that are actually at least, at least one generation older than the rest. And we want to um, look, at, look at topics that maybe aren't as well known to, to, um, to the nation in general, but also even within the Muslim mm -hmm. community. Um, they might not know this history, especially within Canada um, or in Islamic history. These are uh, things that have been forgotten in history and um, very important to know so that as we move forward, we can remember and build upon it. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I believe you guys already had a pre-launch event at the Islamic History Center. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about how that was. Oh, that was really good. We have a we have a youth program called Stride. Um, and it's it's run by our youth. So our youth are grades seven to twelve. And one of our board members, um, Hassan Munir, is actually a master's student in in history, but he's always been very, very passionate um about Islamic history. So he um he very graciously asked if he might be able to do a, a talk in Kings as he was he was gonna be in the area. So we of course jumped on that on that possibility and we had an, we had a great turnout um, so these are kids or these are young adults who are between the ages of 12 and 17 18 so grades 7 to 12 and um, he spoke about instances in in Islamic history so um, you know from at the time of the prophet and then and then moving forward from there and he spoke also about so it's expressions of faith and the contributions of Muslim women artists with it within history and he also very emphasized the fact that sometimes we have a very narrow definition of what would constitute as being art. Um, so he talked about, you know, the hairdresser of the pharaoh um, and and her faith and how that how that sort of um, sort of led to how she would conduct herself um, within that climate, which was very. I mean, if you think about it, was also very um, Islamophobic. Um, so because uh, this is at the time of of Moses, you could say. I think yes. Yeah, at the time of Moses, um, so it's throughout of all all history, and just just very interesting things that most of us probably wouldn't have known. But because he is a, a historian, and he was able to find all of these mm-hmm. um, documented cases of the contributions of that women were making in general to society, but also the expression of their faith through their artistry. So it's very interesting. Heading into the rest of the month, we have lots of awesome events lined up. I guess starting off will be tomorrow the illumination of City Hall in green, starting at. 6.30 p.m. if folks want to see that. Um, I was wondering if you could do a quick run through of all your other events that are coming up. We are having our annual, um, the, the mosque has an annual conference to celebrate the, or to learn about the life of Prophet Muhammad. So it's not necessarily for the theme, but it has to do with history. So that's taking place on October 8th. So on the long weekend, and we are bringing in scholars, both from outside as well as our local community. So that one's that we just see. Oh yeah. So remembering the blessed life of Rasulullah. So remembering the blessed life of the messenger of the um, so that will be happening October 8th next week. Um, MSGP, which is Muslim Society's Global Perspectives at Queen's University, um, they will be hosting a talk called Islam and the Reformation. And that is being, um, the presenter is Mehmet um, Karabale. Um, and I believe he is a new professor here at Queen's and he's um, coordinating that through MSGP. That will be on October 17th at Watson, um, Watson Hall, room 517. Uh, at 7.30, I believe. But they will have those details on our Facebook page. On October 22nd, we're having we're hoping to have our annual open house. And in this particular one, we were, we're mixing that a little bit and we're hoping to celebrate local Muslim women who are in the arts and science. So highlighting their, um, basically their artistry and their scientific con- contribution. So I'm looking forward to that and hopefully we'll get some um, some participants that can, that can show us um, all the amazing talent that's in the community. The Kingston Public Library is also very generous in that they will be highlighting this month on their website and there will be book displays at both Isabel Turner and Central Branches. So um, we're very grateful to them for putting that together. And I must say that there are several Muslim women, can, Canadian Muslim women authors that have been doing quite well with respect to especially young.
young adult novels and incorporating stories, fictional stories that incorporate Muslim characters in a way that is quite authentic to how we ourselves grew up in North America. So um, it does give you a glimpse into, you know, what life might be for a Muslim teenager growing up in Canada and the, the issues that they that they face would be Islamophobia, um, just interactions with, with friends and uh, just the normal things of teenage teenagerdom. Um, so I'm hoping uh, we've given them a list of books and we're hoping that they'll be able to highlight those authors as well. Rahman also provided some examples of Muslim women who have made great contributions in the fields of arts and science. So if I, and I was just thinking, um, who would I think about when I'm thinking about this topic, Muslim women contributions? I'm actually going to, one of the early um, examples that I was reminded of at, when I was at the youth event um, was just even the Prophet Muhammad's wife, Zainab bin Jesh, who was known for her um, charity. And she was, her like she would raise money by doing handicrafts and selling them. So that and then that money she would um, she would use to provide for those who are in need um, and uh, she was called the wife that had the longest arm um, so meaning that the reach of her her charity not that she had the longest arm um, so but when I'm when I was uh, when we were thinking about this theme um, what came to my mind were the number of Muslim women currently in our present in our Ontario community that have been contributing to the arts for quite some time there are as I had said before there are several Muslim women that are involved in the, on the literary scene, writing non, like doing creative writing. One of the most senior of those is Ruxana Khan, who has written so many books for children and youth, mostly for children, a lot of picture books. Um, and so she is kind of like the the pioneer, so to speak, of this this group of women that have been contributing to to um, to the literary scene. Um, the others are SK Ali, as well as Uzma Jalaluddin, who are also based from Toronto and they focus on YA. Uzma Jalaluddin tends to base her stories on, um, you know, the stories of, you know, the, of the age like uh, Pride and Prejudice, those ones that we grew up with. So that type of things, but she's sort of taken a modern spin on it and put it within the Muslim community. So there's one based on Pride and Prejudice, there's one based on, um, oh, I can't remember offhand, but anyways, that's the kind of genre that she's writing based on those classics. And SK Ali writes more um, things that honestly, I think a lot of us relate to in terms of everyday happenings within the Muslim, the challenges that Muslim youth are facing, but with real problems that have to deal with teenagers, as well as being a Muslim in a place um, where Islamophobia is on the rise. Or And she's she's dealt with some very serious issues that um, that need to be dealt with and how that Muslim community would deal with that. Um, another individual is Asma Hussein, who also writes uh, children's books, as well as nonfiction books based on her own experiences but the um, she lost her husband during the uprisings in Egypt so she's she's her reflections have she's been able to publish to help others but her children's books are um, she has many uh, picture books but she's also started a publishing company um, called Rukaya's bookshelf which is the name of her daughter and she's facilitated other people in providing and writing books for Muslim children or about or not necessarily for Muslim children but with Muslim characters um, 
So those are some of the people that I can think of offhand within our area that have been really been contributing a lot in the arts and they're being and they're really successful. Another form, another Canadian who is currently in the States is Asma Zanahat Khan. And she has been writing, um, she has a background, I think she her PhD is in international law and war crimes. Um, so she's written, she's written a number of crime mystery series. Um, so one, one was based on a, on somebody named Aisa Kata, and she has a new one that's centered around a Muslim woman in, in the crime crime sphere. And she also has a fantasy um, series, which is very interesting because she draws things from um, Muslim culture. So it's, you know, a totally different world. It's fantasy world, but there's some familiarity for Muslims. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, it looks familiar. I think she's gotten this from this. So very, very different genres, but she uses her background, you know, she has one book that's based on the aftermath of survivors of the Bosnia War or based on current events, like what happened in Toronto with the Toronto 18. Um, and she's incorporated that into her storytelling. So very interesting um, and really like they're just very enjoyable to read. So, so those are some of the Canadian Muslim women now that you can you can go to a library, like go to our libraries, go to the bookstores and take a look at what they've been contributing. For additional information and details regarding events in Kingston, you can visit the Islamic History Month Kingston Facebook page at IHM Kingston. For more information on this national initiative, you can see the Islamic History Month Canada website, islamichistorymonth.ca, or Facebook page, Islamic History Month Canada. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear. Dear listeners, as you may have heard, Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook, is blocking Canadian access to all content created by news providers, including this radio station, in response to the Online Broadcasting Act. Access to local news and information matters to everyone, and while radio stations use their airwaves to keep you informed, we also use social media to share local news, events, and initiatives, and even content about our upcoming programming. We need you to write your MP and convey your concerns. Learn more and find a letter template for your MP on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you for your support. 